for today. And I'm going to ask you to go to 1 Peter, the third chapter. I'm sorry, the first chapter and the third verse. 1 Peter, the third chapter, the first chapter and the third verse. Amen. Amen. And it's on the screen for you, for those of you that, that may not have your Bible right there in front of you. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Everybody say, living hope. Living hope from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, but it doesn't stop there. It's to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed the last time. Let me focus, just fine-tune your thinking on that first verse that says, according to his abundant mercy, he's begotten us, he's birthed in us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's another translation that says this, because of the resurrection, we now live with great expectation. Because of the resurrection... We now live with great expectation. I want to preach to you today about something that changed the course of the world and made it possible for you to be able to expect something better. God's handiwork in providing an expectation that is beyond anything we could have in our lives I want to preach to you about the great expectations of the resurrection. Would you lay your Bibles down? All over this house, help me. Lift your hands to heaven, and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for all these precious people, Lord, that are gathered here today. God, I know, Lord Jesus, you haven't brought them here on accident, but you have brought them here because you want to talk to them. And so, Lord, I pray that you just kind of get me out of the way Remove me from the process. Let every thought be ordered. Everything that you've established and set in place, let it be spoken with the right tone, with the right spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be ready and open to receive what you have to say to us. Let this word be a work of your spirit in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Somebody that knows he's alive, I want you to praise him like that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I know you've been standing a long time today. So Easter every year for me oh, still comes, but especially when I was a child, came with a lot of expectations. There were just things that happened on Easter that I just grew to expect. For instance, I didn't get, I, we, we must have been poor. I didn't get Easter baskets. How many of you got Easter baskets or gave you, oh, lots of them, okay. I didn't get Easter baskets. I got an Easter nest. 
I don't know if we were poor or whatever. We couldn't afford the whole basket. But when, when, when we woke up, it was there. They snuck in the middle of the night, and Mom would get the fake grass, right? And she'd make a nest on my dresser, and then it would be all candy and peeps. It was wonderful, Mom. Don't feel bad about it. I look forward to it every year. In fact, probably longer than I should have. When I got married, the nest stopped. Every year, I would get a new suit. I look forward to that. I grew up in church, and in, you know, in church I grew up in, this one right here, it was important for you to show up in a new suit on Easter morning. I got a new tie many times when I was younger, clip-on, right? Had a clip-on tie, hallelujah. Got a nice, I remember one was powder blue, and I loved it. It awesome. The suit stopped, too. That's right. As time grew on, I started, we started doing the candy rain. And by the way, we will not throw that candy at your children, Blake. We will gently toss it around your children. If anybody gets beamed, it's somebody being mean, all right? That's a word of the Lord right there. Yeah, I grew up with candy rains, and I grew up with dinners at grandma's. I grew up, we had an evangelist that came every year. In fact, he's still bitter because I don't invite him back. I say that because he's going to watch this later, and I just wanted him to hear that. Every year, Tony Frederick would come, and he would, he would preach an Easter revival. Grandpa set that up. I knew he was coming. Every Easter was the same, expectations. In fact, many of you had expectations. In a lot of ways, We've learned to kind of normalize Resurrection Sunday. There's certain things going to happen. We're going to travel to certain places. We're going to do certain things. We're going to wear certain clothes. It's clothes and candy and bunnies and bows and baskets. And it's pictures and poses and posts. And all those things are wonderful. Everybody say, that's wonderful. Do it all. In fact, we put a nice little place back there for you to take a picture. Do all of it. Go ahead, get your baskets, get the candy, do all that you normally do. But I just don't want you leaving this place. I feel like it's my job, like God wants me to tell you that the resurrection is much more significant than any of that. The Bible says that now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain women with them, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. They had prepared those spices on the day that Jesus was crucified, but obviously did not get it done in time for, for, the, the, the reser- the, for the Passover. And so they were required by the law to wait. And the day after the Passover, they showed up at the tomb. In fact, Mark's, they, they weren't expecting what they saw. Mark's rendition of this story says on the way, they started talking about Do we know who's going to roll this stone away for us when they get there? But the Bible, Luke's rendition says, when they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Amen? And they went in. And here's something important. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that they were greatly perplexed about this. And behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. 
Now listen, to somebody that that is just a normal thing to hear on Easter, that's probably not exciting. But if you know the power of the resurrection in your life, those words stir something to your very core. It's what separates the gospel from anything else in this world. There are prophets and people and, and movements that have had all kinds of modern martyrs, but there's only one that had a savior that went to death, hell, and the grave and beat it soundly and came out on the other side, a risen savior. I'm so glad today it's not just a story to me. I don't know about you, but this is more than just a story. This is the basis of my faith. This is what makes me believe that Jesus Christ is real. Is there anybody else that knows this is more than a story? Amen. Amen. But the truth of the matter is this. Those women that went there were not expecting what they found. They they were going to a funeral. They were prepared that day to continue their grief and to sustain their pain that they had been through over the last several days. Let's face it. They expected to find death. They expected to find a body that was lifeless, a body that was wounded, a body where rigor mortis, although they didn't know what that word was, had already set in. They were there to honor, and they were there the, to, to, to honor and bestow upon that body the, 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 the spices and the atone, the, the anointment that would, that would prepare it for death, as was their custom. They were there to honor the death of truth. They were there to honor the death of comfort. They were there to commemorate the death of relief. They were there to, to, to mourn the loss of hope and to mourn the loss of healing. To them, at that point, mercy had died. Miracles had stopped. Compassion was gone. Love was out of the picture. And restoration was not possible. Why? Because Jesus had been all of those things. He had been a comforter. He had been good news in dark times. He had been a healer that healed broken bodies. He had been a comfort. He had been truth that cut through the noise and the din of all the religious around them. He had been a, a miracle working prophet and man and God to them. But now they were devastated because to them all those things were gone. But there, listen to me, their expectations were far beneath God's expectations. They came looking for death, but they found that truth had broken out of the grave. They found that comfort had escaped that tomb. They found that relief had overcome. They found that healing was living again. Compassion was on the loose. Love was still alive and restoration was still possible. They expected to find death and normalization because people don't get up from what they saw Jesus go through. 
But I'm here to preach to you today what I think the angels were preaching to them. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Because Jesus is here to give you the expectations of the resurrection. You're not going to find a dead God. You're not going to find just some sort of solemn service here. I'm here to preach to somebody. Jesus is alive. I dare you to try to get out of here without feeling his presence in this house. Come on, somebody clap your hands if he's alive. Clap your hands if he got up. The man was driving his children to church on Easter Sunday, and he was trying to explain that Easter is when we celebrate that Jesus was right, rose from the dead. From the back seat, his little four-year-old boy piped up, and he said, what, is he going to be at church today? That's a great question. Is he going to be at church today? What did you come expecting today? I, I, I'm asking you, what, what did you expect to happen in this hour, hour and a half that you're in this house? Did you come to celebrate the life of the dearly departed? Did you come today expecting some moments that would fit into all your plans? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I hope you find way more than that. I hope you find because there's more in this service today than just a photo op, than just some candy for kids, than just a gathering of friends and family. I hope you find more. I hope you've already found out that he is in this room. His presence is in this room. What you felt was not emotion. What you felt was the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I set you up. I've already prayed over every, every pew in this house and said, Lord, don't you pass one person by. Get a hold of every heart. Get a hold of every life. Come on, let your resurrection power work in this place today. There's some of you, this is the only day you'll ever show up here. I will not settle for anything less than the power of God to touch your life. He's here. He's here. He's risen. He's in this house. I hope you find more because the Bible tells us the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. So it doesn't matter what is binding you in your life. It doesn't matter what change of your minds or your emotions that you drug in here. It doesn't matter what problems you may have going on at home. I'm telling you, there's a resurrected Savior in this place that is a problem solver. And he is an expert at setting people free. They came looking for normal, didn't they? A normal that would fit in with their trauma. A normal that would fit in with the disappointment that they were walking through, the crucifixion that they had witnessed. They were looking for a scene that would fit the story till now. Instead, they witnessed the power and found the power of God on display. They showed up that day and they came smack dab up against the supernatural. They saw 
angels that day. They found an empty tomb that evidenced a triumphant Savior. And that's what needs to happen today. Listen, you enjoy your Easter nest. I hope your suit looks great. But you understand this. There's a supernatural power in this room for you. People are still looking for truth in all the wrong places. In dead tombs, and dead spaces, peace in the wrong places, help in the wrong places, relief in the wrong places, comfort, wrong spaces, satisfaction in the wrong place. Listen to me. He is not there. He is not there in those dead spaces. He's not there in those vices. He's not there in those addictions. He's not there in those calamities. He's not there in that dead religion. He's not there in those dead spaces. He's alive and you can find him today. You can feel him today. In fact, you do feel him today. Somebody say, Jesus is never. Say, is never a dead end. See, you can expect you can expect a live God today. Let me tell you what else the resurrection tells you you can expect. You can expect new life. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. According to his abundant mercy, he's be, what's the word? Watch the words. Begotten us. Burden us again to a living. Say it with me. A living hope. hope. You know what? That just kind of proves my point. It's hard for anybody to say hope anymore. Because you know what? This world is being peddled. The hopelessness is being peddled by the world around us like it's some sort of staple. Like it's milk and bread. I mean, in, a, in the middle of a, of a storm, come on, somebody. I got to go get some milk and bread. Hopelessness. It's like you don't, you're, not, you're not part. You're not with the times. You're not, you don't understand where you're at if there's not some hopelessness. Problems on every front. Wars and nations and cultures and economics. We're, we're in a time full of many problems and few answers. But in the midst of the few answers, it is not negated. It is not erased. The answer of the rest resurrection. He is still the answer. And the resurrection says we can have new life. Come on, look at somebody and say new life. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead from the glory by the glory of the Father, even so we, everybody say we, we should also walk in newness of life. That scripture tells me that because he got up from death, hell, and the grave, I have the opportunity, yes, even the ability to get up from my circumstances and get up from my whole life and walk in a new one. The resurrection says we can expect new life. Now, some of you are not amen and normally I ignore you, but I refuse to today. How many of you have ever sold a house? Have you ever sold a house? I sold, I've sold two houses in my life. And, and the real estate agents always say the same thing. They'll walk through your house. And if you ever want to think that you live like a slob, let a real estate walk through your house. They'll start pointing out everything that's wrong in your house that you have lived with for years. But here's what they'll tell you. A real estate agent will tell you this. They'll say, listen, just put, put a good po uh, paint, a coat of paint. Put a good coat of paint on the walls. 
and this carpet here, just get, get some carpet. And, and in the back of your mind, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, the roof's leaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you just kind of paint over some things, and, and they use this word. This is a word I think every insurance, not insurance, every real estate agent has used with me. You, you just need to put some sizzle on it. <laughs> just put a little sizzle, and, and that, that'll sell this house. Listen, here's, here's what they're saying. They're saying just paint over the problems. Just, just paint over it. Paint over the issues. I, you know there's issues down in there. You know every time it rains over two inches, you're getting water in your basement. But the real estate says, hey, don't tell anybody that. That'll be their problem. Just paint over it. Listen, I'm just telling you right now. That is the concept of modern Christianity. That says, you know what? Don't deal with the problems. Don't deal with the root cause. Just put some paint over it. Show up at the right time. Go to the right place. Say the right things. And everything will be all right. But listen, is there anybody that's ever flipped the house? If you're really going to flip it right, baby, you're going to have to tear that thing down to the studs. You're going to have to deal with the problem. If there's a leak in the roof, it needs a new roof. If there's a problem in the basement, it needs a new basement. And if there is problems in your life, the last thing that you want is somebody to preach to you and say, just paint over it. No, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to be born again of the water and of the spirit. You need a new life. Not your old one. Fixed up, painted up, and glossed over. You need a new life. You need a new man on the inside. You need a new way of living. And the reason why some of these folks are staying clapping is because they've been through that. See, wise buyers will say, yeah, the color is great, but show me the roof. Yeah, yeah, the decor is beautiful, but it's hot in here. It, it looks really good, but why is there water puddles all over the basement? Why are these problems? I'm going to tell you why. Because they didn't flip around. Jesus, the resurrection is more powerful than that. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, truly I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. You, he told him, you must be born again. You say, I'll get this straight. Listen, just give me some time. I'll get straightened out. Titus said you wouldn't. Paul spoke to Titus and says, not by works of righteousness, which you have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing, look at that word, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in your life is not there to make things better. It's there to make things new. Because if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death and we've been baptized and sins are washed away, and we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. If the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead is also going to quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. If we're buried with him in baptism, 
We also are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. The resurrection says, I don't have to expect a fixed life. I can expect a new life. Let me end today. Don't clap. Let me end today and tell you the last thing I want to talk about that the resurrection, the last expectation, and it may be one of the most important ones because it enables the rest of it. Listen, if the resurrection is true, then you can expect, this is important, to win. Because you know what I'm looking at at times? When I just survey humanity, I get to deal with people. There is just, and I'm, please, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but there's a loser mentality among people right now. Nobody expects to win. If things get so bad at times where you just lose the ability to think that a win could ever be on the horizon. I've read a few articles this week, and you know what the common denominator of successful athletes is? That they expect to win. Now, they don't always win, but a successful athlete that puts together a winning record is usually one that expects, when I step on the court, I'm there to win. I'm going to win. You study empowerment in leadership, and you'll find this out, that people feel empowered when, number one, they have all the necessary resources that they need to get the job done. And number two, that they have the backing and support that they need to get the job done. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans 4 and 25 that he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. In other words, Brad's translation, he was crucified for my losses, but he was resurrected for my win. I've got a losing record, i got to tell you. And some of you got a losing record. We don't even want to go into that. But I'm telling you, the cross took care of every loss. And if you can shout and rejoice about that, then you've got to rejoice about the other end. For as much as he covered your losses, he rose again for your win. I'm just telling somebody, you've got a heavenly father that says you're not losing. You're not a loser. You can win. Instead, many times, people allow themselves to be bullied. Spiritually bullied into the pain of their past. Bullied into past experiences. Bullied into preconceived notions about him and about his truth and about what a new life really looks like. Bullied. Here's the thing about all that. They're all in the past. No matter what your reason for resistance to Jesus today, if you have any, God's intention is for you to win. Your dad said you could win. Anybody ever been bullied? Nobody wants to admit it. I've been bullied. Fourth grade. His name was Billy. He lived behind me. Now, I want you to understand something about me in the fourth grade. I was not what you would call slender. I wore husky jeans. 
until I was, I don't know how old, I thought that was a brand. I didn't realize it was a size. I thought it was a brand. Mom got me some new Husky jeans. You got to leave. I got Husky. I looked up Husky today. You know what it says? It says strong and stout. Somebody lied to me. I had to be 150 pounds in the fourth grade. Some might term me as portly or pudgy. Little alligator pterodactyl arms, pudgy thing, just sitting there. And so I was an easy target. Sister Jill, I wish I would have remembered. I wish I just would have been a little logical. Billy, he had to be like 40 pounds soaking wet. I could have just rolled over or sat on him or something. But when you are bound by the social caste system of grade school, fourth graders don't mess with fifth or sixth graders. And Billy knew this, and he would torture me. And I'm not just talking about with words. There's times where he gave me fat lips and all kinds of stuff, and there wasn't nobody crying about me. I got bullied and bullied. And I remember one day, one day, me and Billy's, me and Billy's changed forever that day. Because he told me on the way home, and he told everybody on the bus, he told everybody, listen to me, I'm going to beat him up when we get off this bus. That did not sound good to me. (laughs) So here's what I did. I got at the front of that bus, right behind the bus driver. I don't know why I just tell the bus driver something. I should have told an adult. But, you know, fourth grade, I don't know. And so I'm sitting behind there because that's the straightest line to the door. And as soon as that door, the bus stop was a block. It was on my block where my house was. My house was in the middle of the block. And it let us out on the corner. And as soon as that door went over, I shot. Listen, if you've ever seen Flat Fly, it flew (laughs) that day. Yes, it did. I pumped my chubby body all the way home, sucking air, trying to get there. And I got there before I got into the safety of my yard, only to meet this Marine of a man at the front door. And he looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you out of breath? I said, Billy, you know, I told him the whole sword affair, thinking that I would get some comfort from my father. But nay, nay. (laughs) He grabbed me by my fat little arm. And he started walking back towards that bus stop where everybody had gathered to see the beatdown. Do you hear me right now? At first, I was scared. I thought I was in trouble. But then I started putting two to two together. And I started getting excited. Billy is going to get beat up by my dad. (laughs) But much to my surprise, when we got to that bus stop, and let me tell you something. I I can see it. Billy was scared to death. And my dad sat down on the curb and he looked at me and he said, hit him. I didn't know what to do. Let me just give you a little insight to Brad Nave. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But my dad's right there. And at that moment, I was more scared of dad than it was Billy. And so here's what I did, Brother George. I got all those fat fists of fury wound up, and I went after Billy, and I swung, and I swung, and I swung, and I swung. I don't know how many times, but, but, but listen, here's the fact of the matter. I never laid a paw on Billy, but you know what happened? Every time I swung, Billy backed up. 
Every time I went after him, Billy backed up. Oh, he got scared of you. No, he wasn't scared of me. He could care less of me. He could have took care of me in two licks, but he was petrified of my father that was sitting behind me. I'm just trying to tell somebody, you don't realize what's behind you. You don't... You don't understand. All of heaven is for you. All of heaven is for you. God's intention is for you to win. And no, your problems are not scared of you. Hell's not scared of you. But it is petrified of your heavenly father. Because hell has been in contact and been in combat with Jesus. And he lost. Did you hear me? Hell lost. Your father says, you can win. You can win. Come on, I dare you today. Take a swing. Back up addiction. Back up problems. Back up fear. Back up anxiety. Got a simple message today that says, your dad says, you can win. In a world that says you're a victim. Listen, if you're a victim, then you've got to remain in that state to maintain that argument. But sin has a solution. Sin leaves a mark. We can't deny it's hurt. It's evil. Can't deny there's evil out there. There's idiots. There's ignorances. Sin leaves a mark. Like a tornado, it goes and carves its way through the path of our nation. And it seems to damage everything in its vicinity. But he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He was crucified for our losses, but he was resurrected for our win. That word justify, if I could just simplify the definition, here's what it means. It means he's declared you the winner. Wait a minute, I didn't do anything. No, you didn't. He did it all. But he took his victory, and he said, you know what? I could keep this for myself, but I'm going to give it to you. I could keep it for myself, but I'll give it to you. I could keep it for myself, but I'll give it to you. No wonder Paul would write, thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me here this morning with all the greatness of this basic building block of truth? This resurrection, with the expectations that are promised from it, that we would have a real and alive Jesus, the expectation of a new life, not just a bandage painted over a fixed one, an expectation of a true, genuine win. With all that good news, can you imagine anybody that would say, no? Aaron, I thought of you. What if, what if you, in all your glory, got a NASCAR sponsor? Yeah, I know you'd like that. All the money, the fastest car, guaranteed to win. And all the money was spent, and everything was prepared. The engine was finely tuned. All you had to do was get behind the wheel and drive that thing.
like there's no tomorrow. But you looked at all those millions of dollars in sponsors. And you looked at that beautiful, powerful vehicle that had been prepared for you. And you said, nah, I don't think I'm going to race that race. Anybody would call you a fool. How in the world could you pass up an opportunity like that? What if you were, what if you're a basketball player or a, a baseball player and, and you got drafted? And you didn't even deserve it, but somehow, some fluke of imagination, you got drafted by your favorite team. They said, we want you to come play for us. They made all the arrangements. They got your housing together. They signed the kind. Everything was done. But when it came time to play the game, you said, I don't think I'm going to play. The world, anybody, would call you foolish. I mean to offend no one today. But those things are so far beneath what I've preached to you today. The God of all the universe puts the resources in your hands, gives you the backing that you need. The God of all the universe pays the price for every loss that you've ever initiated on your own in your life. And he beats the odds and the judgment. And he beats the consequences of which should belong to you. And he turns around and says, now, you couldn't do this by yourself. But I'm going to give you what you don't deserve, the win. Pardon me, I don't mean to offend. But what fool would not take advantage of a win that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords orchestrated specifically for you. I wonder if there's somebody here that maybe your take on the resurrection got just a little bit better in focus today. And you realize, yeah, we're going to eat and we're going to take pictures. We're going to be with family. But before I go do that, I got to make sure that I ensure the win. I've got to make sure that I, I meet my eye. I take advantage of these expectations that have been laid out for me. Is there anybody today? There, maybe there's somebody who just wants to celebrate that. I want to celebrate that Jesus is alive. I want to celebrate the win he's put in my life. I want to celebrate new life in Christ. Come on, before you leave this place, would you step out? of your seat and come to this altar and pray for a minute. Come to this altar and celebrate. Come to this altar. Bring somebody with you here today. Come on, this is an important part of what God's laid out for you in this service. This isn't just a memorial. This is an interaction with Jesus. This is an interaction with the, with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Come on, all over this house. Even there in your seat, if you wish, lift your hands. Lift your hands, celebrate it. Just for chance that what you're feeling, that there's more of that. That God wants to do more in your life than even what he's done already. Come on, I dare you to reach to him today. I need you, Jesus. New life. New life. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing. Those losses were taken care of by Calvary. There's a win here for me today. The win of the power of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. I want everything that you have for me. I'm willing to reach out and try. Come on all over this house.